Presbyopia Unlocked is an editorially independent podcast supported with advertising by Alcon. There is a new kid on the block with regard to presbyopia correcting technology here in the United States. With the advent of a trifocal here in the United States, we can now tell patients they can have a better range of vision and it's truly a seamless vision. It makes the outcome better for the patient. But it's also a tremendous benefit to the surgeon who now doesn't have to get into long detailed conversations with the patient about what distances are most important to them. Does trifocal technology have the potential to increase premium lens adoption? I really believe in the technology and I think patients sense that and I think that that's one of the important things in having patients determine whether or not they're going to purchase one of these newer lenses. We've entered another era by having a trifocal in our country and I think our journey, everything we've learned along the way has prepared us for this moment in time. Doctors Vance Thompson, Bob Sioni, and Jeff Horn share their experiences and look to the future on this episode of Presbyopia Unlocked. This is Dr. Vance Thompson, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Presbyopia Unlocked. And I think it's a really exciting episode, and it is for me in particular because I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues, Dr. Bob Sioni and Dr. Jeff Horn. And for me, this is this is a special conversation because I respect uh, both you guys so much in the world of refractive cataract surgery. But having the honor of being a fellow investigator with you and our country's, uh, you know, first trifocal uh, FDA approval, the the Alcon Panoptics lens, um, I think this uh, will be a fun episode to talk about trifocality in general and also. Uh, you know, how we did in the clinical trial. So uh, welcome, you guys. Thanks, Vance. It's great to be here. Thanks, Vance. Happy to be here and excited as well. Um, maybe just to start out, uh, Bob, I would, you know, as far as the impact of having a trifocal finally in our country, I, I just would, would love your thoughts about that and how you think that's going to impact your practice. Yeah, I'd be happy to comment on that, Vance. You know, um, I've been involved with multifocal studies as a form of presbyopia solution since uh, the earliest uh, lenses. And um, I got to tell you that way back when, when the first um, multifocal lens came out, uh, the patients were thrilled because it's something they never, they never had the possibility of having before. I mean, patients in the earliest trials, I believe that was the Restore 4-Ad non-aspheric design lens, you know, on their post-op exams, they they sometimes cried they were so happy. But as we got into um, understanding them better and implanting multifocals in more and more patients, we started seeing some problems, uh, problems with um, the range of vision, uh, a, a focus point at near that that was pretty fixed and if you moved outside of that zone it was blurry and so it was very restrictive in terms of where they could see things halos glare hazy vision those kind of things all became prominent and with each 
iteration of a multifocal, I'll just call it a bifocal, because that's truly what they were. They had two focus points, distance and some point at near, uh, which depending on the model would perhaps be at a different distance. Um, they were limited. Uh, and now that's not the case. So with the advent of a trifocal here in the United States, we can now tell patients that they can have a better range of vision and vision and it's it's truly a seamless vision it makes the outcome better for the patient it makes the conversation better for for us in the room with the patient and uh it's i got to tell you it's very welcome in my practice how about you jeff yeah okay so so i you know i know bob was a was one of the original investigators on uh, the restore and um, and be, and because of that, in part, you know, I was a a big heavy user of it um, way back when as well, starting with the four ad, uh, and then of course the three ad aspheric, and then uh, ultimately the uh, two and a half ad um, active focus. But throughout throughout my entire time with with these multifocals, we always had to find out from people what was most important? Was it more important to see arm's length or was it more important to see up close? Uh, what was the patient really looking for? Uh, and if they needed to wear glasses, what would they prefer to wear them for? Um, and with trifocal technology, especially uh, the, the new lens, the, the panoptics, which was just recently approved, it gives not only our patients the ability to see all three distances and see them remarkably well. I know myself, I was, I was really blown away by the results um, that I was seeing in the trial in my own, in my own patients. But it's also a tremendous benefit to the surgeon who now doesn't have to get into long detailed conversations with the patient about what distances are most important to them I don't run into people really who don't want to see everything. And we finally now have a lens that will enable us to um, put it in, correct their astigmatism if necessary, because of course it is available in a toric version, which is fantastic, and be able to have the patient see right from the, right from the get-go far arms length and close. What I tell people is you should be able to see from 16 inches away out to virtually infinity. And I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail, but this defocus curve that the that we know the panoptics has, it's very flat, is really remarkable. And I think it's ultimately what what causes people to have such good quality vision, but also such good useful vision. So you know, trifocals in general are, around the world have been shown to be the, the leaders when they come out. They tend to displace the other bifocal or extended depth of focus lenses. Other surgeons have reported that they provide better night vision. And I think that's absolutely true. I think trifocals, dis despite what you might think intuitively, you'd say, well, it's diffracting light and splitting light. You're splitting light in more ways. It can't work as well. But the reality is the opposite is true and it works better. And, um, I'm just blown away by the lens. You know, um, as I listen to both of you speak, you know how we've we've kind of watched the rest of the world enjoy having a, a trifocal and and actually multiple trifocals. You know, this this I feel is a time where it's we, there's been some advantages to being on the sidelines and watching the rest of the world because talking to our international colleagues, just like you said, Jeff, you know, it's 
really uh, re- replaced, in, you know, in great ways uh, by focality. And and it and it's you know listening to our international colleagues has really given me a lot of confidence. But what also did was you know having a couple years experience in the clinical trial, I. I really was one of those people that wondered if splitting light more would lead to more nighttime issues. And, and I actually felt there was less, like you said, and Bob, you used the, 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 the term uh, seamless. And, and I, uh, I really felt that the neural adaptation to this lens was faster than I had previously experienced. What did you guys think? I, I couldn't agree more, Vance. I, I was just going to mention that. Usually at day one, patients are, you'll find a few with, with uh, the, the uh, bifocal lenses that are, are thrilled, but typically they're a bit underwhelmed, especially with the reading. Uh, since I'm planning this during the study and um, after the study post-market, I've been really blown away by how happy they are at day one and can't wait to get that second eye done. Um, not only is their vision good, but I just don't have them complaining of halos and glare and hazy vision. Uh, we still have to get the refractive target right. And we use every means possible to do that in order to get the um, most crisp vision possible. But um, their level of happiness early on is is beyond anything I've ever seen. I think one of the things about adding, you know, exciting technology like this to a practice you want to kind of have some questions that separate out the patients who are interested versus not interested. And, and you know, just to kind of keep clinic going and, and so you can spend, you know, the time you need with each type of patient. And I find just simply asking a patient, do you, do you think, do you want to do a lot with glasses after this or do you want to do a lot without glasses? And, and, and I go into explaining to them because you have the opportunity to kind of replace both issues that your lens, you know, used to do and is now lost. You know, the first one being the reading range that you lost in your 40s and the second one being the clarity. And, you know, the traditional implants will do a great job at uh, helping you with the clarity but they don't address the reading range. And especially if you're a younger cataract patient, um, there can be actual loss of accommodative range uh, with uh, a single vision implant. And so I I like these patients understanding our lens did two things. It lost two things. You can replace one of them or you can replace both of them. And I find that quick little introduction of you want to do a lot with glasses or a lot without and talking about those two functions of the lens really helps me separate out which patients are interested. What do you guys think of that? I agree with you completely, Vance, that um, it's very important for patients to understand that what they're having done uh, is, it, it may be considered and called cataract surgery, but the reality is, is that it's lens replacement. And I find it helpful to not only go through with the patient how the lens has been changing their whole life, their human lens, uh, giving maybe the best possible quality of vision at about the age of 25, but then start a very slow, almost imperceptible gradual decline um, from 25 on up. But then 
related to the lack of accommodation and the patient needing um, reading glasses and for the hypero potentially needing distance glasses as well with this aging changes of the lens and then bringing that forward into the fact that the lens will ultimately start getting cloudy and start affecting their ability to see at night and have contrast issues and all of that. Um, I just find it's really helpful to make sure the patient understands that they're having a lens replacement. So I try to take the conversation away from cataract surgery and on to lens replacement. I find that it's difficult if the patient is there and saying, well, I've got a cataract and I'm going to have cataract surgery. And then I tell them about a lens that they don't really quite get it. But if I, from the outset, explain that they have a camera, their eye is a camera and it has a lens in it and has gotten cloudy and it can't be fixed, but it can be replaced. If I even take that analogy further and say, imagine you have a camera, you notice the picture quality fade, you brought it in and they tell you the camera's fine, but the lens in it is permanently yellowed and clouded and we can't fix it, but we can replace it. And we, in a few minutes, can take out the cloudy lens, throw it away because it doesn't work anymore, and in its place, put a new lens that should stay clear indefinitely. Now the patient understands that that's what they're having done. The important point is that what they should be focusing on is not the lens we're removing, the cataract, but rather the lens we're putting in their eye, since that's what they're going to be seeing with forever. And I make the analogy that we don't call it arthritis surgery, we call it joint replacement. Um, and that's really the way the patients need to be looking at it. And once they realize that everything that they're getting ultimately is determined by the lens that they're receiving, then they understand the, the value of that lens itself. And I can tell them they can put a lens in their camera to focus it on faraway targets like mountains, um, or they can put a lens in their camera that autofocuses or provides a range of vision. And then I let them know that we can do the same thing with the eye. And that's a, a, a very relatively quick way of having the patient understand, A, it's all about the lens, and B, what their options are, and then they can decide for themselves which is best for them. That's a great analogy, Jeff. Uh, I really like that. I may, may start may start to use it. You know, I want to go back to um, conversations that we used to have with our patients with previous multifocal designs versus what we have now. Um, I would spend a lot of time, as, as you had mentioned, Jeff, in talking about what distance is most important. And some of us have used tools, um, questionnaires to the patient that they fill out ahead of time, which help. But ultimately, they're not getting, getting it all. And there's a level of disappointment in that. Uh, so consequently, we would end up frequently in one eye putting an implant that focused an intermediate for the near point and another one that focused closer up and blending it. But you talk about confusing a patient. That really confused them a lot. And they wondered how their eyes would work together. They thought this was monovision. And it was a lot of discussion. Now, we, we really don't go into the discussion at all. Um, it's um, it, it has cut tremendous amount of time off of uh, my consult with the patient, and at the same time provides uh, a better quality of vision at all the distances. So um, again, very, very thrilled with this uh, new lens. You know, uh, um, one of the things that I like patients to understand is they this idea of reading range, you have a choice to correct it in your implant or in your glasses with you know, your, you know, your trifocals or no line bifocals, you know, however you want to 
you know, explain it. And I find that, you know, they get, they understand the word trifocal um, and, and, and we can put it in glasses, we can put it in the implant. Um, but I, I agree, Bob, that, you know, I, I think we need to be careful about how much we talk about technology. I, th- I, I find that this technology gives me the confidence to deliver, you know, uh, for them. I, I do think it's important that we talk about, you know, how there can be glare and halos and how there is an adjustment. And, you know, we call that time period of where your brain's getting used to your new, you know, optical system, neural adaptation. And, you know, we found, have found in our, you know, very well-run studies that patient satisfaction in the beginning was exciting, but even more exciting, you know, six months to a year down the road, with time, things get better. And, and so I always like patients to understand the journey. Um, I, I did find in our clinical trial that my enhancement rate was lower than I expected it would be. And I found that exciting. How about you guys? Yeah, there's no doubt it, it was lower. And even, even though in the trial, we were not allowed to correct the up to one doctor of astigmatism. And I worried that, you know, in, in the past with other multifocal lenses, if you had three quarters of a doctor of astigmatism residual or even a half, you had patients that were unhappy. And it is very frustrating to take a patient that's plus a quarter, plus a half, and try to do a, a laser enhancement on that and be certain that you correct it. Um, and I don't, I prefer not to go back and do LRIs if I, if I don't have to. With this lens, it it seems to be much more forgiving. So you you can be a little bit on the plus side and still have good distance vision. You can have a half, three quarters adopter of astigmatism and still have uh, good vision without complaints. I've not seen that in, in any other lens design. Um, I thought I would see it a little bit more with the EDOF lenses, but I, I have to say I've been a little bit disappointed in that. Uh, it, didn't seem to pan out that way, but this lens seems to be doing just that. It seems to be more forgiving. And, and the defocus curve showed that, that even if you were plus to half, you're still seeing 2025 in the distance. And we all know that numbers um, are concrete. They don't always speak to the quality of vision, but the beauty of this uh, new lens is that not only are the numbers good, but it seems that the quality is very good too, because we don't have patients complaining of hazy vision. One of the things that I have found, having been doing this for a while now with these, with these uh, refractive uh, lenses and refractive cataract surgery, is that you know, your patients are going to trust what you tell them, um, and they're going to sense your um, passion and your sincerity and your uh, conviction and your confidence um, on, in how you and how you approach them. So I can say unequivocally that when I'm talking now about this uh, trifocal lens, that I, I think I am, I think I am telling it in a way that I I couldn't be more confident in how it's going to uh, turn out. I, I really believe in the technology and I think patients sense that. And I think that that's one of the important things uh, in having patients determine whether or not they're going to uh, uh, purchase one of these newer lenses or go with one of the uh, tried and true 
basic lenses. Um, it, it is absolutely uh, true, though, that uh, the conversation that you have with the patient today when dealing with the trifocal is so much more uh, simple and easier and less time consuming. And I think therefore less confusing for the patient to go back to what you had mentioned earlier, Vance, with having to talk about uh, technology. And, um, and one of the other things, I don't know if, I, I'm not sure if we have mentioned it yet, but one of the other things that uh, stands out about the, this particular lens, the trifocal panoptics, and there'll of course be other trifocals available in the U.S. in due time, I'm sure. There certainly are in other parts of the world. But what makes the panoptics stand out even from those lenses is where it sets the distances that people can see at. And so um, when one wants to read, it's nice to be able to read it about 16 inches away. That's considered to be normal reading distance. That's exactly where the panoptics uh, sets you at. Um, when you're looking at arm's length vision, uh, computers, cell phones, watches, you don't want to be too far out necessarily um, because that might not be accurate for where the patient is looking. But it's thought that about 24, 25 inches is an optimal place um, to be focused. And because of the way the panoptics is designed, as opposed to other trifocals, it sets the intermediate at about 24 inches away, whereas with other trifocals, if near is set at 16, intermediate would be automatically set at 32 inches or 46, 40 centimeters, six, uh, 80 centimeters, I should say. Uh, and that's one of the other things that makes the panoptic stand out that gives me confidence in using it and telling, about, telling it to people and, and having them think that they're going to get what possibly is the best uh, uh, range-providing presbyopia correcting lens, certainly that I think I've ever used. And I think having that confidence is really something that comes across, and it should, and that's one of the things that patients are gauging. How confident is their doctor in the technology? You know, you're right on the spot there, um, Jeff. Um, I think the patients can hear my confidence. And, um, and as a case in point, I had a cousin who was going to have cataract surgery um, back in, in the Eastern time zone. And his doctor didn't believe in multifocal lenses. So I had him come out here. And even though he had a mild, mild epiretinal membranes in both eyes, everything else was perfect. And he was a low myope. So he's sort of not your perfect candidate, but I was so confident that this lens would work well for him that we put it in both eyes. And uh, he was here for the first week afterwards and he never put his glasses on, um, not, not driving, uh, not to read the newspaper. Yes, we still read newspapers here in Utah. And, um, and he took us out to dinner one night. He wasn't wearing them to read his menu. He was just thrilled with his vision. And that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't confident in the lens. I think the ability of this lens to deliver is going to um, bring more and more surgeons into that confidence level where they will start implanting more multifocals. And, and let me mention one more thing. I mentioned reading the menu at the restaurant. The lighting wasn't really good. One of the uh, other features of this lens is that it's no longer pupil dependent. And so in dimmer light, it tends to read better than, um, than previous versions. And I think that's um, a tremendous improvement for this technology. 
Yeah, I, I agree, you guys. And and I, I have to applaud the companies, all the work and research that's been in developing the optics of these advanced technologies is amazing. You know, this this lens was, you know, started out as a quadrifocal platform. And, you know, they decided to highlight the near and intermediate, just like you guys just said, with these optimal distances. But what took that distance also, since we know we got to nail that to really make patients happy, was the decision to take that, you know, 120 centimeter focal point of a quadrifocal and take that out to distance to make distance even better and, and turn it into a trifocal from that perspective. And, and I think it, it, it really led to this lens that now what I like about it is we can measure dominance, but one of the things that's tough to tell someone is how dominant their dominant eye is. Is it 90% dominant? Is it 55%? And what I mean by that is sometimes that dominant eye really wants to help at distance and it really wants to help it near. And you guys know what I mean. Sometimes when you put a different lens in each eye, um, even though one of them's reading really good, they don't think they're really reading really good until you cover their eye that they're, you know, really focusing with at a, a distance that also wants to focus up close. And so you don't have to worry about that when you're doing the same lens in both eyes. And I think that there's so many wonderful, positive things about it. I think we still just need to remember we're working with a multifocal lens and we need to approach it in a realistic fashion. And we really need to babysit the eye and make sure someone's a good candidate or make them a good candidate. And, you know, what I mean by that is they need to have a good tear film. And if they don't make it that way before you do this surgery, and we need, of course, to do a, a great surgery, um, but we need a clear capsule. And if it's not, we need a YAG laser. And if we do have residual refractive air, and I, I keep it pretty simple, even small levels of refractive air, if they're frustrated a little bit at distance and I show them that small correction and they go, that's what I want, I know I need to do an enhancement. And so I tell them that even though we're dealing with very accurate advanced technology, Remember, you may need attention to, you know, I like to think of it as a, a three-step journey if you had to take all the steps, the implant, the laser fine-tune, and the capsulotomy. And you most likely won't need all that. But if you go into it with that attitude, I know I can make you happy. And if you're not right where you need to be at three months, we fine-tune it. And by doing that, it also allows for their patients to kick in and they don't worry and it maximizes their thinking of uh, uh, not thinking about it so much so that neural adaptation is blending in with their life. Anything that you guys add to the patient journey? I'm not sure that I add anything over what you're saying, but I agree with you completely. But one of the nice things about this particular lens, the panoptics, is that because it has, as I mentioned earlier, such a flat defocus curve, um, uh, combined with the fact that it actually at a three millimeter pupil allows for about 88% light transmittance, which is starting to approach that of a monofocal. So I can feel comfortable putting it in eyes of younger people with cataracts that are maybe less advanced, but they're still bothered by them. 
I can use it in patients. I know this is off-label, but we can use it in patients who are uh, interested in refractive lens exchange, for example. So I feel comfortable using the lens in patients that I might not have been comfortable putting in a Restore 3-Ad lens or a Technus multifocal. Um, I still am very careful about who I choose to put the lens in, and I want them to have appropriate expectations. What, what I do is I will tell them that they're going to see rings around lights at night, up front, right off the bat. And I tell them it's not likely to bother you, but you will see it. Um, I also tell them about my own personal experience with the lens, not mine personally, but I did put the lens in the clinical trial in my then fiance. Uh, and, um, and I told her she was going to see rings around lights at night. And of course, I don't want to screw that person up of all people. So um, what she told me was really interesting. So at one at, at about two days, she said, you know, I see the rings in my right eye, but I see crystal clearly. I can see the smudges on my windshield, but with my left, I can barely see anything. She said, I'll be better when I can get the rings in both eyes. And then three months later, she said, we're driving near Bob, actually. We were in Utah in the mountains last summer, and we're driving there, and uh, it was raining. And she said, you know, I only see the rings in the rain now. And then about three months after that, or six months after her procedure, she said, you know, I don't see the rings anymore, pause, unless I talk about them. And so it has given me a lot of confidence again to be able to tell the patient that these night vision disturbances are not likely to bother them and they're likely going to get better over time. But like you, Vance, and I'm sure, Bob, we're all laser surgeons. We all have the ability to correct a refractive error if it's there. And I, too, at about three months, if necessary, will go back and fine tune it. And I will always show the patient what they are seeing in glasses in trial frames every time they come in to see me, if I do feel I'm going to need to fine tune it, just to reassure them that the lens itself is working and what's off is the focus. And I describe it as, you know, like a microscope in biology where you have the two knobs, the one is the gross focusing knob and it gets it pretty close really fast, but then the other knob fine tunes it and gets it just right. And I tell them that the LASIK is that fine tuning knob if we need to use it. That That's great. Um, I think we're getting um, a little close to the end. I, I'd like to just summarize in that I agree with everything Vance and Jeff have said. And um, I've actually learned a few things tonight. So thank you guys. Um, here, here's how I'd like to summarize this. For the first time, I have found a lens that I would not be afraid of putting in my own eye. I think this lens is that good. The neuroadaptation um, may still be needed, but it seems to be uh, much, much quicker with this lens. The range of vision is fantastic. The clarity, the um, the lack of uh, significant dysphotopsias. Um, so if, if I had a cataract today, I wouldn't hesitate putting this lens in my eye. You know, I, I, I think I would... I would also summarize by, you know, kind of the way we summarize a, a lot of things, and that is how satisfied are our patients. In, in the clinical trial, when we asked the question, would you have the same lens implanted again? The ones who had the panoptics trifocal, 99.2% said they'd have again. The ones that were monofocal controls, uh, you know, <laughs> It, it, it blows me away that 87.4 said they'd have the same lens implanted again. And 
would you recommend the lenses you had implanted to your family or your friends? And the ones who had the trifocal said 98.4% would. And the ones who had the monofocal, 95.5% uh, said they would recommend it to their family or friends. And we've, we've entered another era by having a trifocal uh, in our country. And I think our journey of all the, everything we've learned along the way has prepared us for this moment in time. And I just really hope that, that other ophthalmologists uh, kind of choose this time if they're not involved in premium lenses to, you know, kind of look, look into it again, because I think that they'll really find this, this will help meet their expectations and their patients. I just want to add one thing really fast. And again, I, you know, admire you guys and you guys are unbelievable surgeons. And so when you're comfortable using a technology, I'm automatically more comfortable. But my experience mirrors exactly what both of you are saying. Um, and one of the things that really surprised me, and I, I'd love to hear what you guys think, is that when the contrast sensitivity was compared between the trifocal and the monofocal control, in this case, the SN60AT, they were virtually identical. And when you look at the plots of the contrast sensitivity curves, you can barely make out that there's basically four lines on them all overlapping. It looks like one line. They're virtually identical. And that's why I think we can feel so comfortable in using the lens and why it works so well. And um, I just was wondering what, you, what your guys' thought was. I think that has to do with the design of the lens and redirecting that um one focus point to distance and in, um, in having a non-apodized pupil independent reading, um, it just uh, eliminates the reduction. I can't say eliminates, but it reduces any reduction in contrast um, so that it's basically imperceptible. Well, this is this has been just awesome. I, I think one of the other things that I'm excited that that you guys have mentioned is just some of the other trifocal technology happening around the world that you know are looking at FDA monitored trials in our country and will eventually have as a part of you know our offerings to our patients that our buddies around the world are having as an important part of their menu. But boy, it's fun to now finally have a trifocal. And, and I just want to say to both of you, what an honor to do this with you this evening. Thank you. Thank you to Drs. Thompson, Sioni, and Horn for sharing their experience with trifocal technology. And thank you for tuning in. Presbyopia Unlocked is an editorially independent podcast supported with advertising by Alcon. Be sure to tune in to the next episode on OR Efficiencies.